0: Welcome to the Inside Out podcast, a podcast for and by alumni and the current students of sports studies. The study ISMB International Sports Management and Business and the Dutch counterpart SMNO Sports Management and Ondernemer. Fantastic to have you listen in today. My name is Ross, our current ISMB student. And
1: I'm Peter. I'm a teacher at ISMB and SMNO. And today we have the privilege of speaking with Caitlin Stuhl, another ISMB alumna. Uh, Caitlin, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Cool. I understand this is your first podcast. Yes. Well, this is only Ross and I's second. So in that uh, there's not much difference there. Um, We did our research on you a little bit, and we know Uh a little bit about your background as it relates to ISMB. And to us, you are a terrific example of somebody who uh, came into the ISMB program, embraced the experience and made the most of it. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, as it relates to the program?
2: Yeah, sure. So my name is Caitlin. I'm uh, 26 years old and I started ISMB in 2013. Yeah, 2013. Um, yeah, I uh, looked for international studies and ISMB was part of that uh, list that I found on the HPA, And I went to the open day and loved it. So Do you not how I have actually
0: a funny story about how you actually got yes. to the program? I understand <laughs> there was a little misunderstanding
2: correct so i went to um well the presentation of eyes B loved it and then after i was uh, went to another program called international business and languages and then thought okay this is also interesting but then everything was in dutch and i'm like what why is everything in dutch and they said well if they're only dutch students we do everything in dutch so i was like no this is not international yes. i'm going with ice
1: so you picked up on that quickly
2: Yes, it was a quick decision.
1: So how was it for you uh, as a Dutchie, right, as we call uh, people from the Netherlands in the program, to enter the is environment with all the international students with all these various backgrounds? What was that like?
2: Well, I loved it, to be honest. Um, Also to learn more about different cultures, different, like, where people came from. They came from all over, which was very, um, yeah, interesting conversations arise from that. So I really liked it.
1: So uh, what, was the, what was the balance like uh, learning about international environments, different cultures? Of course, we do it in the curriculum. We have yep. courses like ICC, Intercultural in Communications. But then you're also um, interacting with your fellow students. So where did you learn the most?
2: Ooh, that's a difficult question. And maybe you, you have
1: any examples of, of something that maybe a classmate shared with you? Like, are you like, that, that's a big eye-opener. I never realized that.
2: Well, it's... Um definitely learned a lot from the stories that people told like how they got to the place where they are when they enter the program um and i noticed the international students on average in my class were a bit older okay so they had already had work experience or sports experience and that was just very interesting to to learn from as well as i was like a 18 year old or 19 year old rookie rookie uh, (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and um Apart from the international appeal that the program had, of course, it's a very uh, sports, uh, sports marketing, sports management oriented program. Um, What was that appeal like? Did you always uh, have the ambition to do something with sports or how did that develop?
2: Well, sports was always a big part of my life. Like I played basketball growing up like as a little kid till yeah, ever, every day of my life. Basically, I'm still not tall, but you know, I play basketball. Um, and it was such a big part of my life, but I never, before hearing about this, like, um, program, never understood how big the sports industry behind everything is. Mm -hmm. So when I, like, got introduced to that, I was like, wait a minute, there's so much to explore around sports, so why not combine the passion that I have with a potential career after this? Mm -hmm. So for me, the link between international environment and sports was just perfect that i didn't initially see at first
1: yeah,
0: yeah. so it was more a, a passion to start with in terms of sports and then you wanted to make exactly. it into a career. and it's only yeah. growing i mean we're in a good yes. spot here yeah uh, it's only going in the right direction but in terms of the experience you got from the course with all your internships yeah. you start off with the first one you're in taiwan i mean yes. tell us about that that was pretty cool
2: that was pretty cool yeah um so i was it was my second year internship, so I was 19 at the time, and basically I met the guy that, um, well, asked me for the internship in Madrid when I went to a conference for the, for school for mm-hmm. the World Association of Sport Management. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, go ahead. So I met him there, and then he told me about the internship, and I was like, well, never thought about going to Taiwan, but why not? And then.
1: And what was the internship all about? What were it you was you
2: it was about sport marketing for their little sports club within the university. So it was in a okay. in an, in university setting. Um, so I did the digital marketing part of that sports club and organized basketball camps for little kids. Oh, brilliant. Which was interesting because yeah, when I say, okay, everybody grab a ball, they just kept staring at me because they didn't understand what I was saying.
1: The language barrier.
2: Language barrier yeah. for sure. yeah. I have that Um, all the time,
0: just being Scottish, but it's for different reasons. (laughs)
2: Um, So that was very interesting to, in Taiwan, to experience that verbally communicating is not always working. So you do a lot of with hand communication and just pointing at things, and you'll get there in the end. It's just really a a process to get there, and it's difficult to give basketball training to people that don't understand you verbally.
0: Sure. yeah, I think yeah. you learned maybe probably two things there. Um, first, about the importance of non-verbal communication and how yes. important that is, and the second thing, how important it is to embrace the culture around you. Yes. How much do you think you embraced everything that was going on in Taiwan?
2: Fully. I mean, I was the only Western person in that village mm-hmm. for like yeah for the period I was there, so a big attraction as well. But instead of yeah. like feeling oh I'm the outsider, I just went with it. I just went with the people that, you know, wanted to show me things. Although I didn't understand them, I just went with them. And they showed me, like, the really the local culture and non-verbally. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so I really think I embraced it and, um, yeah, explored things that if you're just staying on your own as a Western person there, you won't necessarily see.
0: And, and how important is it for us as current students when we go on internship to just be so open like that and just... Yeah don't say no, but just say yes and just, just go go with the flow almost. Uh, how important that is that for, for us and uh, in the internships we, we partake in?
2: I mean, I think it's the most important part because that brings you to places that otherwise you won't go, right? Otherwise you see the touristy things mm-hmm. or you keep together maybe with the other students that go there and you stay within that comfort zone. Um, and I think if you go with the locals, then it's out of your comfort zone. I mean, I was on a bus with, Nobody spoke my language and I had no idea where we were going, but I was just like, well, let's just see. Yeah. And it brought me to this amazing mountain that we hiked all together, whereas if I would have stayed with, well, no students from ISMB were there at the time. But if you stay with the students that you know, then you necessarily don't necessarily go to those places because you just stick to the comfortable, right?
1: Yeah. Did you, uh, during that time, did you also notice maybe some preconceived notions that the people over there had about you coming in as as, as a young girl from a Western European country?
2: Well, it was very difficult to get their opinion of me up front because they were just really shy and polite to Mm -hmm. really speak their minds. Um, I think in the beginning I was a bit intimidating um, because they didn't want to approach me or they were scared to speak. Uh, but once they noticed, like, I'm also a human, I'm also trying to things out with, you know, my hands and feet to get myself understood by you guys, they tried the same. And then slowly, like, the eyes melted.
1: And then you come from a culture where it's it's normal to speak your mind and to speak up and be assertive, and you enter yep. this culture where... People are maybe uh, a little bit more drawn back or or hesitant. Yeah. Uh, Did you maybe uh, miss the mark there a few times where you overstepped uh, the local uh, unwritten rules regarding uh, direct communication and indirect communication?
2: Um, I think mostly with my manager. Mm. um, That I was, I I mean, I was direct in a polite way.
1: Tell us all about it. That's interesting.
2: (laughs) Well, An example is that he was sometimes sleeping during the day because there it's very normal that during the work hours, you take a nap. That means that you're working really hard, that you need a nap, Ah. but I was really confused. I was like, well, we're in working hours now and you're sleeping like two hours. I need you. I need this and this and this from you at that time. He's like, yeah, but I was sleeping. I'm like, but why are you sleeping? Yeah. And then he said, well, because I work really hard and that's really normal here. And I felt really that I, it was a clear point of me not understanding the culture at that point. Because then right. I paid attention to it. And also when we visited other like schools or universities, a lot of the teachers were sleeping when we entered. Yeah. And wow. instead of feeling, oh, they're sleeping, they're not interested in us coming. I understood like, oh, this is normal here and they, it's not personal to me that they're sleeping is just a culture thing right
1: so I I I know you want to do the same are you also sleeping no but me as a teacher let me point out any current ISMB students listening okay if you're sleeping in class that excuse is not going (laughs) to fly okay so just I was just about to say only in Taiwan Taiwan. I was going (laughs) to say that's
0: current student procedure just to take a nap
1: so then then you move on from that experience in Taiwan you come back and you get ready for your next internship Uh, can you tell us a little bit about um, how maybe your ambition towards your next internship crystallized in your mind and, and, and what steps did you take to actually get that internship?
2: Um, first, I wanted really my internship to be abroad. I, like, I did not want an internship in Holland because no. I was like, this is my opportunity to get out. Um, but then uh, my coach at the time said, oh, I have an internship for you at Brooks, which I think is a really good environment for you. Like, Like hard work, competitive, but still informal and really fun um and then she gave me advice like go to the interview to see if this is a company that you want to match with yep. uh, and that because i was really nervous like oh an interview and and then i went there and i had such a good feeling there that i was like you know what i'm gonna do this internship it's a great opportunity also a really cool project i'm gonna stay in holland which for me was really a you know mm, i didn't want to do that up front yeah, yeah, yeah. um did it anyways and it brought me yeah to where i'm at today so
0: i think this is a great time to ask you know for someone like myself that goes for an interview yeah what what are the keys that we need to take as students to to bring into an interview what what, what was your key um a piece of advice
2: well i think the advice i got was really valuable like see also if the company or place that you are applying for is a match for you
0: yeah two-way interview right sorry it's a two-way interview
2: exactly yeah because that for me it eased my nerves um and then always be ready you know with questions like be curious of what what they're doing at the company like you have to prove yourself of course as a person but skills you can learn on the job mm. so it's I really when I interview uh, interns now I really look for that personal Connection and do they have to drive like ways of working rather than do you know what blah 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 marketing is Mm. more the personal skills. Would
0: you want to work with this person kind of thing?
2: Exactly. Does that person fit in our team culture wise? Like for us, that's really important.
0: And obviously, the teacher suggesting for you to go there. Yeah. How did you use the the networking skills to make an impression? And how important are the lectures actually to helping you get an internship?
2: Um. Well, I think networking in general is very important. Like, that's also how I scored my first internship. Um, And I think the teachers can all they know you. So in this case, she knew this would be a good fit for me. So I think it's very important to stay connected with the teachers because they can introduce you. And that introduction can be super valuable. I know we also looked at FIBA at one point that I never have connections there. But your teachers do have that broad network. And if it turns like, great in the end, if it turns out uh, or works out well, sorry. Um, but if it doesn't, it's still a good process to go through, uh, writing that motivation letter. And, yeah, I think networking is very valuable in that sense, also with the people close to you.
0: Why do you think I'm doing a podcast with Peter? Yeah. We both like basketball. It, it can hurt, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, of course, you, you mentioned uh, your passion about basketball. Uh, yep. Brooks is not known as a basketball brand, no. uh, to put it mildly. Um, so your affiliation and, and your passion, because you're putting out a brand there, and, and yep. I assume if that's your daily job, there has to be a certain passion and personality behind it. How did you maybe discover that or develop that, that you can, because you've been there for for quite a while now. Uh, How did you develop that? How did that grow?
2: Well, I'm not going to lie. Running is not necessarily my passion. Like you say, basketball is. Um, Which was something I was also very open about in the interview. Like they asked me, did you know Brooks? And back then I was like, well, not before this interview. Mm. Um, and But... The sport itself, like you're with like-minded people that just like to be active and like to be out there. And it doesn't matter which sport that is. If you can connect with people on that level, you can also put yourself in the shoes of a runner or somebody who loves to run and look at the branding and the marketing from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Although I'm not identifying myself as a runner, I can still know how it feels when you're on that runner's high, because I've been on that basketball high for example
1: yeah and uh let me maybe this is a big jump but let let, let me try to link various experiences that you explained here so uh when you went to taiwan right you 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 noticed you're entering a different culture different mindset uh, etc but you found a way to kind of bridge that anyways and connect uh is it is it a similar process when let's say you're accustomed to a basketball culture and now you're going into a culture of uh, a running shoe brand is is it the same skill set
2: yeah, I think um, the skill set of being open and really listening to people, mm-hmm. I think that's the most important. I think you can bridge any gap if you have that curious mindset. Like I ask runners or colleagues that are, you know, ex-professional triathletes, for example. Yeah. I asked them like, "But why do you like to run a marathon? Like I I'm, I don't understand, so I would like to understand." Right. And I think that curiosity and really listening to what they're saying helps you understand the brand and the target group, Yeah. although you're not part of it yourself. Right. Sure. Yeah.
1: So so now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you entering this internship after after having uh, what Ross described as a two way interview right there. There's yep. a match there. Um, what was that experience like and what were some of the highlights for you?
2: Well, it was at the time a team of like six people in the marketing group, I would say we were pretty small. Um, but we were sponsoring the um, European Athletic Championships. Okay. So that was my project to really bring the brand to life during such event, which was super cool. I mean, I was reall- really interested in event management, branding, like everything t- came together in that project.
1: Did you feel prepared for such a big project?
2: Um, I'm not going to lie, it was tough. Like it was a lot of um, hard work, long days and... Like I said, we were a small group um, and really discovering like how we want to position ourselves at that point. But if you have a group of like-minded people that work really hard to get to a certain point, it's so satisfying to Mm -hmm. see it come to life. And yeah, you really, you become kind of like a family that delivers this. And it was a lot of learnings for us as a brand, but... For me as an intern, I was exposed to so many aspects of the marketing mix, which was, yeah, super valuable for me to have as an internship and discover.
1: Yeah, yeah. And what, what were you most proud of during the internship? What did you uh, ac- accomplish or do or produce that you're like, oh, okay. Tip my, tip my own hat.
2: Um, well, there was this side event, which was the 10 kilometer run, like the Brooks 10K run, which was a official side event and um, i was responsible for the branding along the route and at the event base and it worked out really well got a lot of compliments on that and i was like well you stand there at the, it was at museum Pline, right. so close to the, the studio yep. and you see uh, i don't know how many participants there were but you see everybody there and with the brooks t-shirt and i still see people sometimes in Vondelpark park with that t-shirt i'm like awesome. damn that was fun yeah
0: that yeah. was me Back up, you know, yeah. like you're you're just proud of what you've accomplished. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of you'd mentioned how important the culture is within yeah. a company and how important the team culture was at Brooks. Yeah. How important is company culture just in general, and, and how much do you value that?
2: Well, for me, it's one of the most important things. Like the people you work with and the vibe between, well, you and your colleagues that can make or break, for example, such a big event, like if you don't like each other, or it, like the culture is so different, you won't get to that end result in a nice way. You know, like there's a lot of hurdles already that you have to like get over. Mm-hmm. But if, the, um, if you're not a match with what the brand stands for or the culture that it's within that group, you're gonna have a really hard time uh, getting to the point where you wanna be so for me it's very important the company culture and the people i work with
0: and how much can you then yourself influence the company culture and the culture how how big a part do you have individually have to play in that
2: i think you have a big role in that like how you position yourself in in a team and uh, you can you can always be in the back end just on the back of the bus riding along and just doing your job and that's it um but if you're in the heart of the team and you, you know, you work together with all the people and you put a lot of effort in yourself, you're getting that back. At least that's what I'm experiencing. Like you get that energy back from the people you work with and you need that energy. If you want to work those long days for an event or, so I think what you put in yourself is what you get out. So I think it's very important to uh,
0: you're, you're at the front of the bus. I'm guessing
2: I'm driving. No, yeah. driving. there we go. No, 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 there I'm we kidding.
1: go. <laughs> um, so le- le- let's take a step back from, from internships for a second. Um, yep. And, and, and uh, I'm really curious about your experience during the minor. Uh, what are yep. you doing? Just tell us all about that.
2: Yeah. So um, for my minor, I went to Temple University um, with uh, five four other students, including Jesse. Um, and then for me, it was an amazing experience. Like I always wanted to experience the university culture and system in the u.s also because basketball is over there of course really big and i mean the opening game of the men's basketball on a wednesday evening ten thousand people in the stadium and i was just like oh my god this is amazing um and over there um we just we just stayed really curious of the people there and exploring and if we had a couple of hours, we jumped on a bus, went to New York and, you know, explored the city there, or we had a sales sales, um, training at the Brooklyn Nets. Like Mm -hmm. those were things that for me were so exciting because that's what you also cannot experience here um, in Holland, at least, you know, like the sports culture there is just such an entertainment industry that for me, it was very, very exciting to, to be there and experience that.
1: Yeah. Any any anecdotes that kind of stand out that you you know are are, are, are suitable for sharing uh, this platform? <laughs> I was platform. about to say, don't like, know. <laughs> on What level? Of Let's filter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I would say coming back to the um, sales training at the Brooklyn Nets, like we went to that training. We I remember we sat there and it was like a sales team of almost only guys. And being the direct people that we are, I think Jesse even asked the question, like, why are there no women in your, you know, in your sales team? And I think that was also one of the first time that I really felt like, okay, it's a male dominant industry. Like we talk about that in class, but there you really experience it. Like it was male dominance. But then after the training, which was very insightful and super interesting, we got tickets to an NBA game, like to see the Brooklyn Nets. I think they played the Hornets. And, you know, we had tickets which were a bit up in the, um, up in the nosebleeds. Not nosebleeds, but not good, good seats, you know? And we saw two seats empty or uh, more seats empty, like almost front row. And Jesse was just like, we're just gonna do it. I'm like, uh. You know i'm a bit of less of a rebel i'm like oh should we do it what if we get told we need to go back Um, but then we just went for it we went there we pretended that those were our seats and we had the best time there almost like front seat and i was like sometimes you just got to grab the opportunity and just go for it even if it breaks some rules i love that and everybody was jealous in the bus back
1: sure i can imagine (laughs) <laughs> um, so a point well taken about the sports industry being male dominated yeah. uh, and, and I think this anecdote maybe uh, illustrates the fact that like you said you just got to go for it and don't be yeah. deterred by the male to female ratio uh, how how are you experiencing right now because you have been in a professional ca- capacity for a few years yeah. um, what's it been like and, and, and uh, the example that you saw the Brooklyn Nets how does it play out in, in daily life for you well I
2: think my team now is mostly female, mm-hmm. so that's that's a difference. Um, but like the leadership team and the sales teams still mostly men. Um, but the hierarchy in Brooks is like it's a really flat hierarchy. So I right. I don't you know I can s- go to a director's office and still you know have conversation. So for me, I think I don't notice that as. Like in my job now, but there it was just more hier- hierarchical. Yeah, that's a difficult yep. word for me to <laughs> pronounce. Um, and you really felt that presence of that hierarchy, yep. and then you feel like the difference. Okay, male dominance, female. But in the um, company I'm at now, it doesn't bother me. Like it's 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 good. Yeah.
0: Cool. And do you feel like this attitude to just go for it, take the seats, or many other examples. I'm sure you have. Yeah. You know, how important does that attitude play in it? Just absolutely go 100% into something and good things will come out of it, right?
2: Yeah, I think um, nothing's given to you. So um, if you want to, if you have something in mind, you just got to, you know, break the rules and go to that front front seat uh, in the stadium and you just got to be present and also, you know, stand up for yourself and no matter who you're talking to, of course, in a politi- politically correct way. But yeah, if you want something, you gotta ask for it, and you gotta work your ass off to get it. Um, so I think that's. It's
0: uh, a good message. And yeah. another word, it's a buzzword that you keep mentioning. The word curious. Yes. Where mm. does that come in? What where does that play? It seems to be of importance to you. Can you yes. explain it to our listeners?
2: Yeah. So for me, curiosity is a key word. Sounds really dramatic, but in my life, um, because I think you like I always try to stay curious, curious of new opportunities, but also in curiosity in the people that you love and what they experience and showing interest in what they're doing and, you know, staying curious in career opportunities or exploring new countries. Like for me, being curious, no matter what somebody's doing, like just being interested in what they're doing and listening, I think you can grow and learn so much from that. So yeah, it's kind of like my keyword.
1: <laughs> Love that. Yeah. And, and and where do you see uh, your background and your curiosity maybe take you in the future? Do you have any ambitions or long term goals?
2: Um. Well, definitely exploring a lot of countries still. Like there are a lot of countries on my bucket list that I want to travel to or even work in. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I like long term work wise. Um. In the process of, you know, I, chained, I actually signed uh, a new role to uh, this week, so I'm very excited about that. Ooh. Um, but I'm in the process now of, okay, mapping out where do I want to go because um, there was also a role I applied for a couple of months ago that I didn't get, and that was kind of the road that I mapped out for myself. Right. So right now I'm going through the process of, okay, Where am I going now? And where do I see myself in five years? What do I like? What do I dislike? And um, it's hard to get that on paper um, because sometimes you get too generic, sometimes you get too specific, and sometimes you get uh, focused on this particular company, but you also want to look beyond that because, you know, not that I'm planning to leave, but it's still something that you need to consider. Like, you need to be specific, but also generic because it needs to apply to... You know, different industries or different companies and not limiting
0: yourself very much, not limiting yourself.
2: Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I'm trying to map that out for myself, but you know, things change very fast.
0: You have some really cool, kind of quirky things that if you weren't in the sports industry, I believe I heard something that you might want to do something quite out of the box. What
2: was that? Yes, yeah. So, that's the thing. I like a lot of things um so i can also see myself having like a nice breakfast and coffee place near the beach summer tropical not (laughs) here um or i can also see myself you know making travel documentaries and producing those documentaries like there's such a wide spectrum of opportunities and i'm a opportunity seeker so i don't know where i'm going to be in five years like it might be still in the sports industry, in a marketing role, maybe hopefully leading you know, a small team, but it can also be somewhere abroad, like opening an outdoor activity program or a coffee shop, not the Dutch version, but yeah. the actual coffee. <laughs> um, so yeah, and that's also why I think if you go on an internship and you really hate the internship, it's also still ve- very valuable. It might f- not feel that way, but, At least you know that's not what you want to do.
0: So, you mentioned like traveling about or looking at doing travel documentaries. You've Mm -hmm. done like loads of traveling yourself as well. Can you kind of tell us how your experience was with that and going different
2: places? Well, I love traveling. That's with sport my biggest passion. Um, And with the program, I was very fortunate to travel to a lot of places. Like after uh, Philly, after Temple University, I went to New Zealand, which I absolutely—it's the most beautiful country in the world. Yeah. Um, And whereas I thought the U.S. culture and that really like fitted me, then I went to New Zealand. I was like, oh, this is a whole different ball game. Um, So I think every country can, you know, teach you something and makes you explore something about yourself. Like if you, um, yeah, go somewhere, you take something of that culture or that place with you. Um, So that's why I like to go to different places out of your comfort zone and just yeah, go with the flow and experience things.
0: Well, the kind of obvious follow-up question to ask is what did you take from New Zealand? What did that give you? Ah.
2: New Zealand was very... um, I mean, I did an internship there organizing outdoor events at like stunning locations. I mean, not hard to find in New Zealand. Um, And basically work your ass off, like work super hard but then enjoy like a beer, or in my case, glass of wine, uh, with just an amazing view and really enjoying that win of putting that event out there. And I think for me, that was a big difference than what I experienced in the, in the States, like big win and now we continue to the next thing. Um, and in New Zealand, I really learned how to stop and enjoy the moment or the win or the people that you're with at that time and then the next day, continue working your ass off.
0: Yeah, because I guess you say the importance of enjoying the moment. Yes. I, I kind of get the feeling that you're someone that loves your well, from meeting you previously, but you're someone that lives at 100 miles an hour and everything's go, 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 go. Yes. How important was it for you to then learn to just stop, take a minute, reflect, and then move on?
2: I think that's super important and something I'm still learning, because like you say, I'm go, 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 go. Um, and yeah, it, I think it's as valuable as achieving things is sitting back, reflect on the actual thing that you achieved. Um, and that's something I think in the Dutch culture or American culture from what I experienced is you just keep going, you just keep going and going, but the actual joy of the job that you're doing is in those moments when you look back and say like, well, we did this as a team. We did this and we should enjoy this because that's what we work for, that spark of joy. Yeah,
0: yeah. it could, could get lost in, in yeah, translation. Yeah, it's easy know? to and just were, keep going. Were you ever close to like a burnout or something because you were just going so fast?
2: Um. Well, I think I experienced that. Not actual burnout, luckily, like knock on wood. Um, but I did experience just... Going, 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 and then at some point noticing, like physically, like, hey, this is not going in the right direction, um, and still go. You know, like I still wanted to explore new opportunities, do really well at my job, and just continue, continue, continue. And I had luckily also friends around me that said, well, maybe you need to slow down at some point, and um, luckily also have a manager in that sense that really listens. Um, and also guided me through that go, 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 next, 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 next thing. Um, and, yeah, it's still a process that I'm learning. Um, but it definitely learned me, like, okay, you need to counterbalance the hard work. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: So let's let us take a, a step back again. So you go from Temple to New Zealand, right? Yep. You just get the timeline, right? Um, and then what happens... Um, uh, because you end up at Brooks as, you, as, as your first employer uh, after I. b So what happens between New Zealand and you signing your first contract at Brooks?
2: Yeah. So um, a colleague of mine that I uh, worked with also during the internship, she went on maternity leave. And they knew I was graduating. Um, so they asked, do you want to come back? And I also had a job offer in New Zealand. So I was like, oh, yeah. oh what am I going to do? Because I love it here. But I also really love Brooks. And I was also ready after a year of not being home to go home. Um, But the role I was offered was not necessarily what I wanted to go in the direction of, but I just thought, you know what, it's my foot back into the door. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take this role and learn a lot also from that department um, as like office management, facility management, learning a lot of the finance stuff. And then while I was in that role covering for maternity leave, they created a new role in the marketing team to get me back there. So kind of found my way back um, into the marketing team, but learned a lot in that other department as well that I can apply in the marketing role. Yeah,
1: Cause I can imagine if you take over a role for somebody on maternity leave, all of a sudden there's a lot on your plate because yeah. you're, you're dealing with running stuff, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And how do you think, because uh, I can imagine some of the ISB students listening to this podcast, they're thinking about their final internship, and there's a lot of pressure. Oh, that's got to be the one, because mm-hmm. it's going to jump board me to my first job. Yeah. Um, for you, it wasn't your final internship. You t- took a, uh, well, probably geographically, the biggest d- detour <laughs> you can you, you can take. Uh, but ended up in a, in a place where obviously there's a good fit for you. Yeah. Um, so how would you put that um, uh, final internship in perspective as it relates to your long-term professional development
2: yeah so what you just described was also how i looked at the final internship i put a lot of pressure on that being you know that's where i want a job and that's where i want to stay um but then it's about the impression that you leave and Mm -hmm. coming back to you ross about networking in the beginning like if you find a match and you work your ass off and you leave a good impression it doesn't matter if that's your first internship your second or your last like You can always get back there if you keep, you know, keep the conversations up. And if you see an opportunity, like it's about the impression that you leave, Mm -hmm. not necessarily which point in time you took that internship. So for me, it was really eye opening, like, hey, my second year internship actually is the company I work at now, not my last internship. So of course, you know, no pressure on all the internships, but you can get there if you want to. Get there. Doesn't matter if it's your first or your last.
1: Yeah. Sure, because if you leave a good impression, that impression will last longer than just exactly. the final day of your internship. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's a good ta- That's take. That's my away. point
3: of view. Yeah,
0: yeah. And something you did alongside uh, your Brooks work, as you mentioned, you did a lot of coaching. Um, you did mm-hmm. some basketball coaching when you were at Brooks. What kind of coaching did you do? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so I done a lot of coaching uh, at my uh, hometown basketball club, but then there was. Um, job opportunity um, while I was doing my studies of being a trainer of the Amsterdam uh, which was something I was like, okay, I need a, like a job. And that's what I love doing, like giving training and being involved with a basketball team. So I gave training to uh, was about 15 to 20 people uh, on a weekly base. And it was very fun to do. Very, very nice to do.
0: And on that note, we might have someone who wants to say a little thing about that.
3: Hi Caitlin, this is Wilfred. In the season 2015-2016, you were the trainer at Tiger Basketball, also known as the Amsterdam Tigers. So this is just a regular team like any team, I mean those guys want to play basketball and improve their skills but it's also a bit extraordinary team uh, consisting of about 25 people all sort of ages different levels but it's a lgbt team so actually it's the only let's call it gay basketball team in the netherlands and so sometimes this is how does a trainer cope with that Uh, I remember one of the first trainings, you asked the group, well, can anyone tell me what's open up? Actually, open up is a technical term in basketball. And then one of the players, a quite outspoken person called the diva, he jumped to the floor and he um, lay on his back and he opened his legs and he showed his ass uh and i don't know how you responded precisely but you did it with a great sense of humor Uh, so it was very nice to have you as a trainer you were master of the exercises a lot of physical exercises i can still feel the pain in my back (laughs) Uh, a lot of enthusiasm and you were also a great communicator so at that moment i think you were a third year student you were young and you are not the biggest of all persons, but it was very nice to have you. Caitlin, you really are a power girl. Thank you. That
2: is such a sweet message. So unexpected. Ah, thank you, Wilfred. I'm gonna give him a call after. That's really really nice to hear because I forgot about that, what happened at the one of the first trainings, but now I remember. Yeah. So how did you respond? <laughs> think I just like laughed out loud and I couldn't stop laughing and I just went with it I'm like okay does anybody else want to show me how they open up and then they were all just quiet they were like oh you know she has a response or I, I'm not sure exactly what I said but I also earned his respect at that point because instead of just being you know quiet and be like oh what 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 are you doing maybe I was thinking that but he's like oh you can handle a joke that's good to know and then you know, I had a really good relationship from that, from that hi- with him at that point. So, oh, but that's fun to hear. Cool. That's really a nice surprise.
1: Again, leaving an impression, right? It doesn't fade out after one or two years, but yeah. this is six years ago, five years ago?
2: Yeah, something so. like that. And yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really nice.
0: I think it uh, sums you up very well that you were um, such a team player, and I think that's obviously a recurring theme within all your jobs, being able to work in a team and, and take on the leadership role um extremely well obviously a lot of humor behind it as well and the the classic dutch english with the persians i think i'm having a heart attack here as a native english speaker but it's okay um but how important is it then to to make sure that it's not all about your career but there's also things on the side that you take time off and do what you enjoy for instance that was for you coaching you know
2: yeah yeah i mean you need to do what gives you energy in the end and for me, giving basketball training and just being with a group that's really enthusiastic to play basketball and really like energetic, that also gives energy back. And same if you have a good conversation with a friend um, with a glass of wine or some good food, like that gives me also really good energy um, to also put the right energy back into your job if that's, of course, a big part of your daily life. So it's, for me, it's very important to do that those personal things to that give you energy.
0: And in terms of, um, we've recovered a lot about your career and, and your jobs and, and so on and so forth. From a student's perspective, I, I want to know, what made you learn the most? At what point did you think, I've really, this this hit, uh, hit you, like I've really learned something here. Uh, just Was there one moment or one example you can give?
2: Mm. Well, for me, um, like sometimes I forget to, take that moment to reflect to see what you actually learned Um, but for me adapting to from a business perspective like adapting to the current situation with COVID how that you know changed my job like I was organizing sales meetings and that was always physical and you have the relationship building you have people in the room like all of a sudden you need to turn that around and do like a virtual sales meeting and connect people in a virtual way and um in that sense i had to host kind of like a live tv show which for me is very different than a real life event Um, but after putting that on the table and you know okay we need samples but we cannot physically touch the samples so okay let's create it in 3d and that was also, like, I had no clue about 3D. So for me, that was also a very challenging project and putting things in a virtual showroom and that whole package of adapting your your job, basically, to the situation, when that was done, I mean, it was exhausted, but mm-hmm. I looked back and I was like, that was something I learned to be flexible. And then, you know, of course, got the opportunity to do the in 3D and get the budget to do the TV show type of sales meeting, but when I look back, I was like, I learned a lot from that.
0: Yeah, that's why you're good on a podcast. If you can host a TV show, podcast is no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a different ballgame, though. The, the last thing is, do you, do you have a motto that you have?
2: <laughs> I think for me, my motto would be stay curious. What I what we touched upon earlier is just stay curious professionally, but also personally. like. Show interest in the people that you love, and you know, stay curious of what they're telling you. And also in a professional life, stay curious of the opportunities. Listen, like for me, that curiosity would be my motto.
0: Caitlin, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Thank you for having me. It was an honor.
0: It's been uh, it's been very much enjoyable for us both. I can speak on behalf of myself and Peter. And to all our listeners, it's been great that you followed along to the Inside Out podcast for and by the alumni and the current students of the Sports Studies Programme at the Goalschool van Amsterdam.
1: This is where we're looking back at who you were, but we also look forward at who you want to become. So thank you for listening and speak to you guys soon.